high impact people are typically the ones that get ideas bounced off of them first. And if you're close to those folks, then you can know what's coming down the pipe and how to position yourself. And it's really useful. Hi, I'm Mark Gagne. And I'm Chris Corcoran, and you're listening to Tech Sales is for Hustlers. Tech Sales for Hustlers is a podcast where we catch up with Memory Blue alums and reminisce about their start in high-tech sales with us. Let's go get some, Corcoran. Gagne, you know I'm ready. Jonathan Stevens, one of the pioneers of the Austin office, Chris. Herndon, Virginia Zone, Jonathan Stevens. Down in Austin, Texas. Great catching up with you. I'm looking forward to kind of walking through your experience with us and then what you've been able to do out in the wild, because I think you've got a lot of wisdom to share with, with the listeners. Yeah, I'm looking forward to doing that, Mark and Chris. Thanks so much for having me. Obviously, I am a longtime listener, first-time caller. <laughs> uh, this should be exciting. I'm very honored you asked me to come join and looking forward to discussing this. Thanks for Thanks making the time. Me. Obviously. It's great, man. All right, well, let's get into it. So um, we were just before we went live. We were talking about, you know, what we know about you from your origination at Memory Blue. But let's educate Chris and I and also the people listening, kind of where you're from, family, like growing up, what you were like. Yeah. Okay, we'll get into that. So I am from Northern Virginia. I went to Herndon High School, born and raised out there. And then went to Old Dominion from Hornets. 2009 to 2013. The Hornets. The Hornets. Hornets. And had a marketing degree in school. Really wasn't very good at school. My whole life. What were you like um, as a kid? As a kid, I was yeah, yeah. athletic, a little shy, but kind of always managed to figure out how to get my way in certain situations. How tall are you? That's my brother, 6'3", maybe 6'4", shoes on. Corcoran. It's nice. It helps. <sighs> it helps. Corcoran's the shortest of three, three brothers, and you're taller than me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Do you have a favorite sport? I played soccer all growing up. Okay. And played lacrosse as well, but super into hockey. Okay. Um, Big golfer now. What position so, did you play in soccer? Center, yeah. Okay, yeah. Center mid. And now you're um, a golfer. Big golfer now, which I got into because of work, frankly. Mm-hmm. But I, I love golf. It's definitely my favorite hobby in life currently. Okay. And um, a, growing up, you're, where were you? You had siblings, right? I have a younger brother named Matt who worked Matt, at Memory yeah, Blue. Correct. Yep. And our sister Shelby just started medical school at VCU, which we're very proud of her. We did not inherit those same work ethic genes i remember her. you telling me about her yeah. in your interviews like, oh, yeah just she, like a quarter with her sister guy he'd be good for yes her. she made the whole family proud first person in the whole family history both sides to get accepted in med school so it's a very big deal for all wow. of us i saw on, uh, on social media you what's called your white coat white coat ceremony i saw you yeah. guys are pumping up yeah yeah i was like he told me about this in like 2014 yeah. it's like a, what he's gonna do <laughs> it's like a high school graduation ceremony except everyone in the crowd like actually wants to be there and is interested in yeah. watching because yeah. people are full of pride not like oh you graduated high school big deal Good yeah for you. like this is a major life accomplishment so they they had eleven thousand applicants in this class and they took 188 so wow it was uh, yeah it's pretty cool yeah all right man so you should talk about my sister the first two minutes i'm yeah that's, how you know things are going well, that's, well. A, that's a good way to open up a conversation with yeah it's about how brilliant your sister is and then you got the two brothers who are great guys and they're smart too yeah we don't have the same skill set i know you're uh, telling me about her yeah but, all right yeah. so growing up so you, sports what else like when you were in high school what did you think you wanted to do when you grew up i didn't really know what i wanted to do when i grew up Honestly, until yep. I got here and I can get onto that. But what I was always good at was working was when I was employed by somebody, I, I, I found a way to be successful. Okay. 
my my dad is a first generation American. Okay. My grandparents moved to Canada from England when they were 23, then eventually immigrated to Olney, Maryland. My dad, my grandfather started Olney Soccer Club actually up there. Really? Built the fields, everything, him and my dad and all that. But, you know, Northern Virginia is a very wealthy area. So I had a lot of friends growing up that were just in different situations than me. And I remember distinctly one time going to eat at Glory Days Grill in Sterling, which I'm sure a lot of people around mm-hmm. here have been to. Mm-hmm. It's no longer there, unfortunately. I asked my dad for $10 so I could go eat with my friends. He said, no, you need to get a job. I was 15 at the time. And I got a job there that night. At Glory Days. At Glory Days. In Sterling. And I worked there for three years in high school. They initially hired me talking about the height thing. They didn't realize I was 15 actually, because you couldn't hire people until they were 16. So yeah, I, yeah, they told yeah. me I got the job you get a work permit. and I showed up my first day and they were like, wait a minute, you're actually only, you're not 16 yet. So <laughs> I could only work from three to six until I turned 16, which yeah. obviously is not an ideal time at a restaurant. Right. But they still gave me the job anyways. <laughs> um, and I eventually managed all to go orders shortly after when I was the youngest person in the kitchen and then got like five of my friends jobs there that never lasted as long as me but it worked out so that's a long you know, time to be in high school maybe into college i don't know to have three years that's like 10 years for an old yeah mm-hmm. high school kids always mm-hmm. doing dumb stuff right and that's why your buddies you know yeah I, I, it I, is. I was i was one of your buddies would have not lasted three years no some of them didn't last three months yeah and five of them i got and, jobs and well, <laughs> what did you attest that to you know, I, I, I don't, I can't really put my pulse on it, but when I'm, when somebody is paying me to do something, I, I think I find a way to just, I can figure problems out myself and come up with solutions for things that might not have been based, you know, right there to be obvious to somebody. And I just, they just trust me to take care of things. And I'm very good with people, good with customers and make people feel happy and I'm easy to get along with. And I can, when it's my time to be firm, I can definitely do that and turn it on. And I know when to flip the switch and say, this isn't happening anymore, or this is the way we're going to do things. And I think, but most importantly, like I just, I treat everybody the same there, whether the dishwashers, the head chef, the managers, to go people, servers. And I think I've kind of carried that through every job I've ever had in my life that you never know when you're going to need someone to be your ally. So it's, just, if everybody likes you, you're going to be in a good situation and people are willing to look past performance a little bit if it's your life. Yep. And I, I definitely felt that true, you know, in every step of my career to this state as well. So you're in high school, we're in glory days. And I asked you, yeah. you know, what you, what you thought you wanted to be. Yeah. You figured that out when you got here, but like, but keep walking through the process. So you're coming out of high school, you're an athlete, got this work experience. Yeah. Priceless, the work I mean, experience. I went to ODU. I, I wasn't a good student. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I went there because I could get in there. Yeah. Uh, I didn't get into any of the big good schools in Virginia, which was extremely competitive. So I went there because they accepted me. And then I, w- I had a marketing degree. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And I have a problem when, when I am not interested in something, I can't like fake the work ethic, honestly. Even though I might be capable, I might not. If I don't actually think it's fun or I'm not, I don't want to do it. Like I, I can't convince myself to spend all this time doing something that, I, that I'm not interested in. And I think that's a difference between my brother and my sister who, or my brother and I and my sister, who she's able to focus hyperly on something and, and able to get it done, but I can never do that. So, but I don't know. I always had this confidence in the back of my mind that whatever I figured out, I was going to find a way to make it work. I didn't know what that was. And I was kind of waiting until it, I was like, eventually it'll come to me. I'll understand what I'm supposed to do. I think I can have some type of customer facing role, whatever it may be. 
But when did this um, happen? So you're not you're in college. In college, and then you're I just doing, didn't know. Like, like, like I guess as you were working. Yeah. Right? Doing going to school, and you're coming out of school with a marketing degree. What what do you think you're going to do? I I didn't know. Go into sales, do something like that. So I I got an internship actually with Sprint while I was in school, and they they took it back because. I had a speeding ticket in Maryland that they didn't like, which is insane. <laughs> uh, I would have been out too. So they had a, a couple of speeding tickets and they revoked the internship. And I was like, well, now I don't know what I do. Cause I interviewed for that. I got it over like 25 people, which was exciting. Um, and then I really just talked to Justin and uh, Justin Brown. I used to Justin Brown, Justin right. Brown, my producing boy. the entire experience today. <laughs> what's up Justin yeah (laughs) he's my buddy in school and he was somebody who even said to me distinctly I remember at one point at a party he's like whatever you do you're gonna find a way to be successful I think Justin and I had that same type of mentality on things we could figure things out Mm -hmm. we could get it done we could be firm and tell people what they need to hear and he I think I had his respect so when time came to figure out what I wanted to do after college and make some money he was interested in giving me an opportunity so that's kind of where it started we've hired some really strong people from odu yeah so <laughs> i know you know and you kind of pumped it a little earlier that's where i got in but there- well that's at the time i mean i think we all figured things out later like i you know it's not i, I think back at the time my gpa in high school it might have been a measure of my work ethic at the time when i was a kid that's changed well, you're working you're that. working yeah and doing sports and that's not how that's not yeah are working and doing sports they're, they're doing one or yeah. the other you know yeah and, and then it's not like the school's pretty demanding and you're it's very competitive but i'm both genius so yeah you justin ben nina we got a host of people oh i loved it after ron cook ron you know. cook is my one of my brother's groomsman in his wedding coming up so one of his best friends that matt got ron job here i think so it's uh yeah so what's up ron I know there you go <laughs> so the monarchs the football team yeah good too yeah we had a good weekend Come you guys, on. Did you guys watch it? No. I was actually there. So oh, you were there. Went back. Yeah. I was there. My wife is throwing a baby shower for her best friend. And we just happened to be there. And it was awesome. It's great. Nina was there. Nina was there. I don't know why the tech even plays ODU football. Yeah, they need to. It's supposed to be a recruiting game for you guys, but it's not working it's not, out. So it's not. Well. It's an embarrassment game. Yeah. It's a beatdown game. <laughs> I mean, we, we played horrible and still beat you. So that's not like you guys should have destroyed ODU. Yes. We, last time we beat you. You know, because this is the second time for everyone that's not familiar that's working. <laughs> we at least scored fifty points, but this time, you know, I think we our quarterback had like one hundred and thirty yards passing, and forty of them was on the last play of the game. So we'll take it. We'll take whatever way we can get it. So yeah, just want to give ODU some props, man. Oh no, I I liked ODU. I was just like I said, I want to clarify that. Yeah, that was at the time I didn't have the grace to get into another school. Yep. They took me and here we are. So I'm very happy with the way things matriculated from there. That's some, I, I don't want to say late bloom, whatever it is. Like we got some ballers yeah. in that place. You'd be one of them. So, you, so are you coming out of ODU, the marketing degree, the sprint thing, did it internship, did it work out? But do you see customer, how did you, what do you think you wanted to do? I knew I had to do something in sales. I mean, I'd B2B or whatever that but meant how did you at know the about time. That? How'd you know about, cause your father well, was it in sales. No. Like um, your mom was in sales either. I mean, right? the hard reality of it is I didn't have any real marketable hard skills. Mm-hmm. I didn't that's have college that's, so, by the way. Well, someone can do, you know, have something within STEM or that they can code or right. they have engineering prowess or they have specific accounting or business 
acumen, whatever it may be that they they can prove on, on a piece of paper. I didn't right. have that. I felt like I was capable of learning it, it sure. in, a, in a corporate setting, perhaps, but I didn't have that to demonstrate at the time. So I started just applying for things that were sales oriented. I figured I was going to have to do that at some point. You know, I'm going to have to step up and make cold calls, whatever, however bad I wanted to do it or not. But was Justin ahead of you or did you and he? Justin was a year ahead of me, graduated a year before. Okay. All right. Yeah. So he was ahead of you. Yeah. And then he, did Andy Gray? So how did, how did he kind of get involved? Yeah. In so I actually, I interviewed at Memory Blue twice. The first time was right out of school that Justin set up quickly for me. And I had my last interview with Mark. And at that point, I had already had an offer from another ERP services company in Herndon. Actually, it was in Chantilly, but it was real close to Herndon, very close to where my parents lived at the time. And I started counting on my fingers, like, how quickly could I get to happy hour after work from there? And they had offered me marginally more money than Memory Blue was offering at the time. But you know, more? Talking about yeah, $1,500 more, maybe not nothing substantial. Yeah. Um, and I still lost and, you know, I was short-sighted and I, I took that job and I interviewed with three people that I, that, that seemed very trustworthy on the tertiary level. And they weren't, I showed up the first day and none of those folks even lived in the state, let alone worked at that office. And they just handed me a phone and said, here you go. And I was like, well, what do you mean? What do we do? <laughs> what do we do as a company? What is my job? And I knew that was a, that was going to be a short fuse. Uh, so I kind of just coasted and waited till they fired me and took my free money. And I, I left and I was mm -hmm. like, this is getting too boring. And mm -hmm. I reached out to Justin again. And at that point, Chris had uh, a former fraternity brother of his that's friends with my parents named Andy Gray that mm -hmm. also had mentioned something to my parents that you should give Memory Blue another look. So I came back in and they just fast tracked me to the last interview to Mark again because they had already previously made an offer and he turned me down once he gave me an ultimatum and said look we would like to have you but if you decline me again this is the last time you're not coming back <laughs> i'm not doing this again we've so, got a lot of people who turn this down. and i think I, I was on the toll road talking to him on the phone and he was telling me he was taking the other job and i was like no yeah and i went into that with my mind already made up which is very yeah. foolish yeah no i went into the last interview with you knowing uh, i was yeah. going to do it and i even justin was like are you taking it i was like yeah i think i'm going to take it but at least want to i'm already here i want to hear what he has to say and, but everything was going in one ear out the other i was thinking about oh i'm picking 40 grand it's a million dollars like <laughs> it's just it was foolish and it's at a point you know hopefully people are listening to this that are maybe in a similar situation to look kind of down the road around the corner a bit and think about what what you're really coming to memory blue for it's not it's the ultimate you know short-term sacrifice long-term gain type mm -hmm. of place so yeah. you can't look at it for what you're going to make in a couple of months or even one year but what it can do for you in the future and i wish i paid more attention to that at the time but i think it worked out that i didn't absolutely are you kidding me of yeah. course it did because it gave you such great perspective <laughs> yeah it gave too. me perspective it's and... not that memory blue's perfect sorry go ahead yeah and then you know there's just it's complete luck of the draw when you what type of clients you get assigned to from a AE level. I don't know what you got. Is it SDR now? Yeah, SDR so now. Yeah, we you guys also have your system internally, how that gets divided out, but we're, we don't have awareness to that when you're coming in. And if I started still the same way two weeks earlier or two weeks later, I would have been on something completely different and who knows where my life would be now. So it, it all worked out famously. Yeah. 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 So let's talk about that. So you joined, you joined up and well, I'm going to go back to two things. I think, it says a lot about you that you went through the process the right way with us. And because uh, there are some people who we want to interview process with and it won't work out for whatever reason. And then, but 
well, this is, you know, think back, we can't hire. You handed yourself, you're always very honest and upfront with like yeah. where you're going and why. And, you know, when we got upset, not at you, but like that we lost you, you didn't get upset at us being upset. Like, yeah. We, we respected you enough to have you come back. So that says a lot about you at such a young age. Mm -hmm. I think that's work experience stuff. Yeah. I think. Mm -hmm. Like handling, handling situations that a lot of 21 year, 22 year olds might fumble. Yeah. So good. And then I talk about this. This is for the SDRs. Remember, listen to this. Because we talk, everybody reads the dip. And mm -hmm. we talk about the dip. And like the fact that you had that job, whether you got fired, you quit, whatever, I, you, you know, because it didn't work out for them. Or I think because you quit, you're like, take my money and leave. That gave you some perspective on what you wanted and helped firm up. Because definitely. Because we'll talk about the Mary Blue job. Mary Blue job's not easy. No. It's not like you walked in. Oh, Mary was great because it's such an easier job. But like, it's a pretty good job compared to like definitely. Here's the phone. Good luck, Jonathan. Yeah. Right. Although we do a little, a, a small degree of that. Right. You got to feed yourself. I mean, you could say that nothing in comparison to this. I mean, there's very few companies that even I that I've learned about in my career since Memory of Blue that will pay you to learn just about sales and not selling something specific that's going to directly impact the bottom line revenue for the organization. So it's it's particularly unique. And especially how you really just sell your best people and constantly are turning accounts. I mean, it's incredibly, I mean, volume driven business model. I, it's nuts. I'm sure somebody that had never heard of it before would be like, "What? Well, you guys are two of you are insane for this, but yeah. it works. <laughs> we, we've been hearing that I mean, for 20 years, Jonathan, 20 it, years. It really works <laughs> insanely well. I mean, evidenced by today, how enormous this office was. I, I was just struck by how many people were in here compared to six or seven when I, when we came out to start this so long ago. We're going to so get to that. Yeah, let's nuts. talk about that. We're, yeah, let's get yeah. that. Sorry, I'm, I'm monopolizing. This no worries. I'm excited to see you. So you, you got in the memory blue. What was that like? So when you showed up to work? Yeah, much different. I mean, I had almost like my own office at the last place, which uh -huh. is kind of crazy. But mm -hmm. here you're in these cubicles. Everybody can hear everything you're saying. So that was a, a bit intimidating. But I think what I learned very quickly is all the people in there were very similar to me. And it was incredibly easy to talk to people and make friends and work quickly became very fun. And I, I started to enjoy what was going on. And that's always been the key for me in life. If I can find some type of fun and some type of element of enjoyment, I'm going to be successful at it because I'm going to naturally want to learn more research and figure it out. And that's what drives me. And so it was, I mean, pretty cool from the jump. And I, I got lucky. I was blessed with a great client. And our rep at the time. You keep saying that you got lucky. Well, I mean, everybody, there's everybody always an element of luck, right? I'm not going to pretend like some... I did all this by myself, but it's, yeah, there's, did I have a role in it? Of course. Um, people would say the opportunity, Jonathan. Yeah. On, on what they would think would be a great client or great account. It doesn't always work. Yeah. So you saw the opportunity and took a hold of it. I did. As evident by the fact that you still work for the company. Yeah. That was your client. <laughs> yeah. Right? In a, in a great, rapidly growing space. Yeah. But it worked there. So, <laughs> but take us back to that when you started. Like, who you fired things up with? Uh, I was with Mo Hassan, right next to me, my Mo boy Hassan. Mo, and yeah, he's my man. And <laughs> we would always just bounce ideas of each other all the time, read each other's emails, critique each other, and and I could tell him something. We could criticize each other, and neither person would be offended, and we welcomed it. And we would start to make fun of the other one of like, hey, like you're just gonna grease me up all day. You're gonna like, tell me something <laughs> I can actually use, you know? And he'll hear that and laugh because he knows exactly what I'm talking about. But then Ben Dikowski was a phenomenal Dikowski. manager for us. And Ryan Hasbini was behind me as Hasbini. well. But then 
Lots of guys. Hey, you, you, wait. Yeah. So you're telling me when you're working from your house, you, as a newbie, not a vet, yeah. you can't pass your emails back and forth to people. It's not the same. It's not, it's not the not same. It's worth it to come in, guys, especially when you go to go out to lunch with your buddies and have a good time and bullshit about work. I mean, it's, fun. it's not forever. No, it's not forever. It's, it's forever. a very short amount of time, really. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy to look back. I only worked in that office for eight months. And it feels like such a fork in the road moment in my life. But yeah. it was a really small, actually finite amount of time. Mm-hmm. You're getting chills. So you, it's, you give me chills. Yeah. Thinking, thinking about all of those guys. It's right. Yeah. <laughs> Mo Great time. Has Beanie. Has Beanie. Nick Kime was in my wedding. The primetime Kime. <laughs> yeah. Primetime Kime. Ben Davis. Vessel. Neil. Dick Shoulders. There. In the Kowski. Yeah. That's, it was fun. What was it, it was like getting on the phone? Learning that part of the business, the outbound. Game. You know, because I think I had that or that earlier experience, it, it wasn't nearly as intimidating as it would have been if I just came in fresh uh-huh. because they, they just buttered you up. And yeah, what was it, 42 days of training or something mm-hmm. like that, which is mm-hmm. like nuts for 42. So, I mean, you just felt prepared by the time it actually counted. You know, it's like I already studied the playbook. Like I know what's coming. Like I, I've proven I can do it. Just trust yourself and, and, to kind of develop that way, I would say. I, I would say I remember what I remember very vividly about you is you really embraced the client and like dove right in, yeah. loved the space, the technology. You were incredibly curious. Yeah. So talk a little bit about that. Like some people don't don't make that investment. Yeah. I mean, so I was actually assigned two clients on my first day. Cyrus Swan is the one that I now I still work for eight years later. The other one was Infoceps. Yeah, so there could have been more of a of a like dichotomy between the two. I mean, one I just had absolutely no interest in never learning anything about. It was mm-hmm. incredibly complex. I mean, to be frank, the very uh, difficult going very difficult. The, very difficult. The 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 people involved in the account that work for the company weren't as friendly and as amenable mm-hmm. as the folks who were at this one. But really what did it for me and for SARS, we're a co-location company which is the technical term for outsourced data center leasing. And I had never heard the word co-location in my life before, before memory blew. I, I really had no idea what it meant. I was like, are we selling soda? Like, what is this? Yeah. Like, um, Colo. Colo. <laughs> Stu, uh, Stu Dyer brought, Stu Dyer. Ryan has Beanie and I to the grand opening, the groundbreaking ceremony, sorry, of the very first data center for Cyrus One in North Virginia. Wow. And see it all the time. that is what really did it for me because I was like, this is huge. This, there's so many important people here. This is like, has to be a hundred millions of dollars of projects. Yeah. Whoever sells this is going to be making a lot of money. And I also just thought it was cool. I mean, the buildings are cool. If you get to go yeah, in for the first yeah. time, you've never been in one yep. and it's, they're enormous. The scale is very tremendously impressive. Oh, let's, let's talk about that though. Cause you yeah. know, you're saying a couple things for granted real quick yeah so you're on cyrus one right yeah and what do they do we sell data center space data center yeah. space to who what does that mean people don't know what that means yeah so we we outsource companies data centers you know in our facility so like let's just say you know folks have their server racks like have you seen anything like silicon valley that guy with the old yeah. badge that looks like something when he was you took it when he was 25 and he's been in that server room for 20 years like that is what we do as a company and we just take that and you can rent the space from us and we own operate we 
we power the building for you, keep it secure, keep it connected to the internet, keep it, cool. keep it safe, keep it cool, all that. We take all the operational liability off of you and allow you to scale up and down at your own pace. It's much easier to operate that way, frankly. And people um, drop out these big buildings. Say, yeah, that are on there. It, they wonder what it is. And a lot of them aren't even labeled. And yeah. They wonder what it is. Like, it looks like a Costco, but what is that? And it's a data yes. center. So, like, we are we have sites that are 670,000 square feet. And to give you some context, an average Costco is like 125,000, 150,000 square feet. So, these buildings are three or four size, times the size of a Costco, you know, and it, and they're just completely filled with servers. Computers. Um, from, computers. From, from floor to ceiling. Floor to ceiling. Racks, 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 racks. Yep. So you went to one of the groundbreaking. I got to go to that, and then I got to go on a tour of some other ones, and I realized like this is this is what I want to do. I, I think this is awesome. I can learn about this. I think I think it's awesome because you had all this perspective. One at the ERP services company that you worked with prior, then you had the opportunity to be on two different clients. Yeah, and you saw very quickly. Yeah. Hey, whoa! This Cyrus one thing is different than the other two. A lot different. I like the people. Yeah. And I love the solution. Totally. Was, You're working your job. Everybody, like, who's your DM? My DM was Ben Dukowski mm -hmm. okay. and then ended up transitioning to Nimit. Mm -hmm. And that was at the time when, remember, Blue, you guys just had one office. And I think sometime in June or July of 2014, there was a, a huddle with the whole company. And Nimit had mentioned that we were going to be opening a new office in Austin, Texas. And at the time, I was like, oh, that's cool for all the people that go out there. Like, there's a bunch of folks. That all sat around me in particular. They're like, yeah, I'm going, I'm going, I'm going to do that. This sounds fun. None of them came. They, never, <laughs> none of them they all backed out. Every single one of them. Um, but I, my first thing that popped into my head, I was like, oh, Cyrus One's based in Texas. Like they have nine facilities out there and they only have one here. You know, if I showed some interest in potentially moving there, like I probably have a much better chance to get hired out there. So I, I talked to my girlfriend about it and now my wife at the time, we've been together this whole time. And she actually had an older brother that lived in Austin at one point. He didn't anymore, but so she had been there and she was already planning to move up from Chesapeake to Northern Virginia. And she, I was like, well, what do you think about this? She was like, well, let's go, let's try it out. The worst that happens is we don't like it. We can come back. We're both from great families. Let us live in the basement, which is true. So I was like, I went to, to you guys and to Niven and said, I would like to go and, Cyrus was totally fine with it. They let me go out there and it worked out awesome. And we moved to Austin about eight years and one month ago from now. So Dude, it's nuts. What a great yeah. time to move here. Yeah. It's changed a lot since then. It's well, still awesome. I'm not going to be one of those people that, oh, the old Austin was way better. It's still a phenomenal place to live. Everyone that's here now, you're going to love it. It's awesome. Yeah. It was just different. There's less people then. It wasn't as popular as it is. So things were easier to do. It was easier to get a reservation. It's easier to get out on the water. It's easier to get a tea time on the weekends, but it's still tremendously fun now. What was it like opening up the office? It was different. I mean, there were seven of us, which how many did we have in HQ back then? 50 maybe? Yeah. Yeah. And maybe. we had, you know, Nimit was only 24 at the time. It wasn't like he was some <laughs> old established business yeah. person. So yeah. for him to command the presence of everybody was not as easy as I think he might've anticipated. But we had, they only let people go that were established and successful on their account. So it wasn't like anybody could just sign up and get out there. Right. But I, you know, I was out there purpose driven. I was hoping to eventually get a, get an offer and try a new place to live. And I, you know, I went into it with open arms and it worked out very well. Do you remember, how did the whole thing 
manifest. What do you mean? The offer. The offer? For Cyrus. Yeah. Cyrus, yep. Yeah. So I was there. We started in August 2014. They actually left Memory Blue, I think around October or something like that. So that was a real kick to the kick to the gut. This is what we'll I this email. Yeah, this, yeah. Is, so this is October and you had moved. I had moved to Austin, you know, thinking, all right, this is why I'm doing it. I'm hoping to work here. Yeah. And I'm in Texas already. And then the company, the marketing budget gets pulled and they had to leave. Sorry. They had to leave the regular, mm-hmm. which was devastating for me at the time. I'm like, now what am I doing? So I get assigned to a couple other accounts that I'm, again, like very passive about not really putting in my full effort yeah. at all just because I'm hoping in the back of my head, well, maybe they'll come back for me type of thing. And, and luckily for me, they did do that. And I started there full time in January of 2015. I want so to kind of. I want to give you a shout out. So yeah. Talk to you real quick. If you're competitive, driven, and curious, it's time to consider a professional sales opportunity that your future self will thank you for. With an unmatched training program and a tradition of elevating our people, Memory Blue has helped hundreds of successful professionals launch lucrative tech sales careers. You will grow highly marketable skills through ongoing mentorship from seasoned sales leaders while showcasing your abilities for tech industry royalty and some of the hottest startups around. And you'll do it all surrounded by driven, like-minded colleagues immersed in our award-winning company culture. As your tenure progresses, you will attract a host of career options. This includes moving up internally or venturing out into the tech industry, where tech companies pay a premium for Memory Blue experience. We have immediate openings in our offices from coast to coast. Visit memoryblue.com slash SDR and apply today. Go ahead. So when they left, so we work in a difficult space, right? We do outbound campaigns for mostly all tech, mostly emerging tech. Even if it's mature tech, it's still very difficult. There sometimes doesn't work. Yeah. Sometimes clients decide to spend their money elsewhere. Or come back later. And when these guys left, you wrote when, when Sarah's one left, they have to send a cancellation notice in. And this is what I think one of your strengths because you're so genuine and sincere and that shines through like you're committed to something. Yeah. Right. You take stuff serious. And I think that sincerity is what makes you an effective probably person mm-hmm. leader at your company now. You wrote them this epic email about the uh, Chris Hunter at the client this morning. You know, you're disappointed they're leaving, but here's, you know, you knew you, if I can recall it, but she was he saying things like you gave it your all and you enjoyed working with them. You just wrote a heartfelt, legit email that resonated as, man, this guy really cared about the work he was doing. Yeah. Like if most people don't have that level of commitment to what they're in, you were in it. You're describing yeah. it, but you were in it and you were doing an exceptional job for them. Programs come, programs go sometimes. Yeah. And that probably left a mark too, all the work you did. And then that note, People don't get emails like that. And was it Fred? Fred. I'm pretty sure Fred wrote us back and said, Hey, like, we're going to come, we want to come back. We want to figure out a way to work with you guys again somehow. Or yeah. Like, is that just like, you can't walk away from stuff like that, ignoring it. Yeah. So you're doing that. And then, so, so what happened? So then you're on other work after I, they left. I was on other work. And, and uh, then I got a call from Stu that they were, they opened up some headcount for me that created it out of something that didn't exist. And, 
he had helped convince Fred and the rest of the company that look, we, you know, this is somebody that we just be foolish not to hire this person, which is weird for me to say. I don't like talking to myself, but that's basically what, what they had communicated. Yeah, to they me. should probably pass on that email. And, uh, well, they saw your work ethic, yeah, and your effort, and your production, and that email about how much you cared. Then you also had, you had Stu. And, Stu, and Stu was I, I was good. I, I did a great job for them. I mean, they, I found a couple of clients. One, you know, I can talk about that was Whataburger that we have all of their infrastructure now in our buildings that came originated off a cold call for me that, you know, was ended up being like a $2.5 million. Wait, 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 hold on. So it was, you had a cold call that resulted yeah. in a deal that's $2.5 million? Yes. So that'll get people's attention. It got people's attention. You know, I wanted to work there and I was effective and I knew, I knew that I was effective. So I used my leverage to my advantage and they came back and created a position for me that, that didn't exist. And I was the youngest person in the sales organization by like 10 years, 12 years. And I actually still am to this day. And even though I've been there for eight years, so it's, you know, it really did work out pretty nicely for me. I'll have to say. That's great. Yeah. So talk to the listeners a little bit about what your job is there. What do you do? Yeah. So I manage everything that we do through partners. So to simplify it as easily as I can, when you buy or sell a house, you use a real estate agent and that same person, that same function exists in our business. There's third parties that their whole purpose as an entity is to represent users in the data center buying process. And I go out and solicit those companies, maintain relationships with them, try to get them to bring their clients to Cyrus One. Exchange, we pay them a commission that can has a lot of different levels of variance. Are these agents? Or they're agents, or are they're they real VARs? estate brokers. They can be VARs. Okay. Traditionally more real estate brokers and okay. agents. Okay. So the word channel that people might see this on, you know, a superficial level, it, it ordinarily means in most software sales that you're white labeling the service and reselling it under one big umbrella. Like a company like CDW mm-hmm. will have hundreds and thousands of different things underneath their portfolio that they resell to end users because they already have MSAs in place and they just tack on a little fee. Mm-hmm. and they make their money that way. For us, it's different because we're still contracting directly with the end user, with the customer. We're just paying this middleman a fee. So that's kind of what my job is. I see. And, and the hard reality of it is that our, you know, the leaders of our executives, not just at Cyrus One, but everywhere, are not particularly fond that this job function exists at all. They would much rather work directly with the customer and not have to pay these sometimes ridiculously high tariffs. But the reality is these people, some of them are very effective at what they do. They're, they do a great job and they're ingrained in the industry and they're a reality and we have to be able to deal with them. And it's my job to do that. So I got a question for you. So that's yeah. very good. Yeah, it's yeah. very fantastic. So you're, you'll probably be able to flawlessly, but what if I'm an agent or an end user, what differentiates one data center from the other, right? It's all, isn't it just real estate and power and internet? There's, yeah. there's got more to it, right? Just explain to it because you have to convince it. The agents, you have to convince the end users that it, there's differences, right? Yeah. I mean, that really depends particularly on on what the customer requirement is. Okay. I mean, to answer that, you know, just with a blanket is very difficult. Sure. But, uh, you know, we, we specialize in real high-density environments. So if companies are coming in that are looking to... You know, I'm going to use a bunch of words that people may not understand. Yeah. If they're looking to pack a lot of kilowatts into a specific rack, let's say on an average, we have the amount of that. And that's the amount of power that we're that you're putting into a computer environment. Okay. That's, to give additional context, 
that's the main way that ourselves and all of our competitors monetize the business. So we appraise a deal based on how much power we're selling to somebody, okay. not necessarily how much space they're taking, oh, but how really? much power there is. Interesting. Yeah. So if we're, let's just say this bar bottle heals, here's a single rack. And we normally put five racks in it. We fill it up with water to about here. Our company specializes it in filling it up all the way to the top. We can stuff 80 racks in and cool it and be very productive and efficient. And we're able to keep the PUE, the building down, which is a number for power usage efficiency that we also use to compute what their bill is going to be each month. So that number, the lower that PUE is, that factors into the ultimate equation for how we come up with how much we're going to get them to spend with us. And it's very effective that way. So we also have, you know, it can really depend. I think if I had a specific requirement in front of me, I'd be able to tell you, but we have customers that will take one or two racks like this, like these two water bottles, or they'll take an entire building. They're taking an entire data hall. They take a whole campus or take multiple campuses, multiple markets. So it's, it really depends. I mean, our, our size, our sales team is bifurcated into a cloud and our enterprise team and our cloud team probably brings in 70 to 80% of the revenue for the company, but it's only through 25 customers. And it's oh, all the wow. folks that you guys have all heard of. Yeah. You know, I can Microsoft, Amazon, Oracle, we can talk publicly about sure. those, but they take an enormous amount of space. They'll buy an entire building. Those companies build their own data centers, but all of the spillover and their quick needs, they have customers of their own that need something right away. They'll come to Cyrus One and our competitors for that. And those are the biggest deals in the industry for us. That being said, the rest of it, you know, those other, we have 1200 customers, those other 1175 that we have in the portfolio are still good, valuable deals right. for more regular salespeople, right? Yeah. And that we can make a lot of money off of. So that's what the rest of us chase. And it's only, like I said, 30% of the revenue. And we have more salespeople on the enterprise team than we do on the other team. But it's, you know, we can, we have a lot of diversity to go after a lot of different companies. I see. Interesting. Yeah. So these agents and these real estate brokers in these bars, are you doing that in the state of Texas, across North America? I do that nationally for the company okay. and occasionally in Europe as well if okay. we have things that take us there. But I, I do it for, for the whole company. I see. And how do you find out who these people are, these agents and these brokers? Um, a lot. I mean, I, I've been there for a while and yeah. the good ones are are constantly attached to high dollar opportunities. They have their reputations that sure. are, that make them valuable. But uh, I think part of what makes me effective is that the other side of that, the agents that are working with maybe upstart companies that are, that have potential to, to grow into large customers one day, you know, there's, there's a lot of a uh, gray area and, and there's some looseness with how we accept the registration, which for the listeners are a registration is our commitment to, compensate somebody in exchange for a deal. Once we give a registration out, that's our word. Like, okay, we're going to pay you on this mm -hmm. no matter what happens. So once I say that, I can't really go back on it. Right. And I'm, I've done a good job being very careful and in, in how we deliver those, but there's a lot of, you know, some people are nefarious, some are honest. You really have to kind of evaluate each person and use your best judgment to figure out, mm -hmm. is this person really connected to this account or does they just hear about this at a cocktail party and they're trying to get paid on it? Right. So you never know unless you learn through experience, but I, that's definitely a major part of my role is just evaluating that and making sure that the integrity of the company is protected and we're making the right choice. Wow. Okay. I got to think you've been doing it so long. You have just so, and you're so passionate about it. You have so much knowledge. 
yeah the space yeah i do i mean i negotiate the agreements with our legal team like i know where we're pliable and where we're not you know where we have vulnerabilities where we can maybe offer a little bit more and what our company wants to try to protect for ourselves which is what we'll give up what we want so uh, yeah it's just things that i've learned over the years right that would be tough which has also kind of insulated me and make me stay at the company because i have all this knowledge that won't be immediately useful as elsewhere i'm sure it could, would eventually translate but um that's kind of where it is yeah today. hopefully that all makes sense for you yeah I'm, I'm fascinated with the space because i kind of got my start in kind of the hosting mm-hmm. internet space with fractional t ones yeah and a lot of the, my coworkers at the time have gravitated to this space and what i've f- found is that man once people are in this space like you and you start have put a couple of years in that space it's very rare that people get out of that business yeah talk a little bit of, why do you think that is i think because i mean just to be honest it's just the deals are worth a lot of money yeah so yeah, you yeah, can yeah. get paid very well and once you know what you're doing then everyone else wants you to work there as well because it yep. takes so long to train somebody and have them learn how the business works. So you're kind of just, you're protected from that sense. You're in a cocoon that is allowing you to stay in the industry because you have all this knowledge and it's not, I mean, it, a lot of it is very physical too. I mean, I can walk through the buildings and explain all the different elements, the power elements, the where exactly the water is coming from that is used to cool the sites yep. and all these things that just like takes a long time to learn, but it ultimately it comes down to, you know, these deals are worth a lot of money and it's nice to be attached to that. And then your buyers will stay at the same place or they'll go to new companies and you have that relationship. And, yep. You know, I think things that you guys likely preach, I mean, people buy from folks who they can trust at the end of the day that are, you know, and for us, that's that trust gets tested to the absolute max. It's, you know, we are giving you the crown jewels of our business to make sure you can keep this on and connected yeah, and nobody yeah. comes in. You know, that's the ultimate sign of trust, right? So we, sure, you know, that's what it is. And we prove and deliver on that, that we can keep it. But it's easy to get repeat business. It's easy to get them to expand in different markets. Shouldn't say easy. It's, if you do all those things, it's easier. It's easier. And not to mention, I mean, the whole data center space has been expanding so rapidly and I don't see it slowing down. Data is exploding. No, it's not going to slow down. Yeah, I don't, I mean, I don't know. It's utility at this point. Right. Right. So it's at the end of the day, the internet is a very physical place. You know, we, we make the internet happen, us and our peers in the space. That's really what it is. I mean, the internet is connected underground. I mean, there's cables that are go across the ocean to connect Mm -hmm. to London. I mean, it's not just magic. Yeah. So if anyone's out there and wants to burn some YouTube rabbit holes, go watch transatlantic cable repair on YouTube and see how cool that is. Some of you might laugh at me for that, but others are going to think it's pretty fun. Yeah. It's pretty impressive how they go down to the depths of the ocean and just repair a yard that's broken. That's not able to, to connect anymore. But yeah. And, and that kind of all just wraps, envelops how I, how I feel about it. It's just super interesting to me and it's fun. And I, that's, I think, fueled my motivation and allowed me to find a little bit of success here. Very good. What, about, what do you think about the channel? How do you like the channel? I mean, the channel is an interesting... You know, for me, it's different. I like the amount of responsibility that I have, particularly in this job. I think direct sales is probably better for most people. You, you, you have more responsibility and you're paid better. You are counted on to provide direct revenue, but there's also a lot more pressure. So keep that in mind as well. I've just kind of 
found my way into this by accident. Yeah. And because I started that way. Yeah, it's not like they invented they, the position. No, they, they, can't, they created a spot for me on an existing team. And that's really all I've known in my career to this point. Yeah. Do I think I can move into that job? Yes. I've had opportunities to do that. But this has allowed me to participate on things all over the country. And with a lot of different varieties of accounts, I've been able to learn a lot as opposed to just sticking to one specific territory that could have been very lucrative, right? If we get, we have some major customers that, you know, a lot of our folks are great. And, but some of the times, you know, they just get a call like, Hey, we want to buy another building. You know, it's not like they did a whole lot for that, but okay. Yeah. Well, here we go. (laughs) You can't really, you know, you can convince somebody, you can knock on someone's door and convince them that they need a vacuum cleaner and you can convince them to buy it from you, but creating a data center need out of thin air is very difficult right you can convince somebody to buy things out of scarcity you know right if you can say that this space is not going to be here it's not going to be available next year so you might need it for that standpoint but you can't just convince them that to have a need that they don't have it has to be something within the foundation of the company that creates it but we've done a really good job positioning ourselves to be available when those notifications come out so you've been doing this basically since you got out of school yeah, basically. Right. I mean, it's really the only job I've had. So wild versus a little interim break from when they left when they converted you. What type yeah. of advice would you have for yourself? You know, knowing what you know now, like the night before you started at Memory Blue or, or maybe the night before you started at the ERP related firm? You know, advice for myself, I, I can't pretend like I, I ever thought this would have happened to me. So I don't think I would change anything. Very fortunate in that sense. You know, I never would have ever expected to be able to make the type of money that I made at my age or even be involved and like have a valuable position like this where people have a lot of respect for me Mm -hmm. at this age. It's, you know, so I, I can't, there's nothing I would point to. Like, I wish I did this different because it all kind of worked out how I hoped, which hadn't happened really that many times at all in my life to that point. Mm -hmm. So this is an example that I can actually say, all right, I really, I really busted my ass for this. I wanted it and I got it and it's worked out as well as I could have hoped for. But I, I mean, advice for other folks, I would definitely say just take chances and use the company for what it's designed for. So if you want to, if you're here just to make a couple of dollars and have fun and do that, you can do that. But if you want to find a career that you might not have known existed at all, this is the place to come. I think that's more for folks that are considering mm-hmm. coming here that might not already be here. I think a lot of the folks now, especially memory biz brand, brand is very well known now compared to what it was eight years ago when I was there. People right. understand. But for the folks that are on the fence deciding whether to come here or go work for Oracle or something like that, you know, you have a lot more opportunity to learn what you might be interested in here. And you can get a real springboard to something that's very lucrative quickly. So that that would be my advice just to follow that. You know, if you go work for a big shop, you're competing with so many folks. And that's another thing with this, like I, I don't really have a lot of internal competition. You know, it's not hard to separate yourself when you're one of one, right? I'm the first and last at any given point. Mm-hmm. But when you work at a big shop like Oracle or Microsoft or something that and you're on one of those teams, SAP, and there's 1,500 salespeople, all of a sudden it's a lot more difficult to separate yourself. I'm not saying it's not possible, but it's certainly a lot more difficult. Whereas you come to Memory Blue and you have a couple of, you're competing with a couple of folks internally on your same account. You know, you can be the best out of four or five or 10, or even if you're not the best, sometimes they are all four people. Right. right? So yeah. it's, it's a really great place. And obviously that's evidenced by how successful it's been in the last eight years. Thank you for saying that. Yeah. Curiosity. 
you know, it definitely sounds like when you're engaged and you learn about it. What do you do now to kind of learn about? Yeah, I constantly like listen trans, to trans data Atlantic. center podcasts or just surround myself with smart people and try to figure out. I think the best advice I would give is is try to figure out the people in your company that for one reason or another are the ones that just know things first, that know when things are going to change and what things might be coming positively or negatively. And that person doesn't always wear the same mask. They could be somebody in accounting and they could be somebody in this on the sales team, on the engineering team. You know, people have different levels of impacting the success of a company and they can come from different places. But those high impact people are typically the ones that get ideas bounced off of them first. And if you're close to those folks, then you can know what's coming down the pipe and how to position yourself. And it's really useful. So what da data center podcasts or is there one or two? Like data center knowledge is one data center world. There's you just search data center in there's a lot of there's tons. Yeah. No, yeah. but I have a question for you. Like, so do you work with solutions engineers? Or yes. You do? Yeah. And, and, and talk about how you work with those folks and how you may not be as reliant on them as you may be now that like you've got so much experience. Yeah, I mean, that's a great example of the folks I was talking about there. I mean, the, the solutions engineers, a lot of the times the good ones are going to be the ones that are aware of changes, especially for us, for inventory is the biggest thing mm -hmm. in all data center companies right now. We're really constrained by the supply chain. Our ability to deliver new space is impacted because all the mechanical equipment that we need to deliver that is you know, two, three, four years down the line where it would be typically. Wow. So we're waiting. And that's created a, a market. Yeah, some of it. Wow. So it's it's going to be a challenging next couple of years, definitely. You know, but I, I think those solutions engineers, if you want to be on their good sides, like they they need to see that you're trying to do as much as you possibly can by yourself before you ask them for help. Yeah, that's it. I mean, that's kind of what it comes down to. And is if they very well said, if they see that you're appreciating that you're putting in the effort and like want to learn and not, you know, if they're explaining something to you or completing a component in RFP that you've never done before. If it's obvious that you're listening to them and trying to learn, so the next time this happens, you can do it yourself, they will put in so much more effort for you. And they're much more likely to help you from them when you need an unrelated favor at a later point. Yeah. So that that is what I would say. Like, take their advice, like, like it's school and you're going to learn. Okay, you're going to teach me this once. I might come back with you a couple of questions. But if you just get a document from somebody and forward it along and ask them to fill out things that they've done for you on your last four RFPs, they're not going to too excited about working with you and they're going to talk behind your back and you're going to hear oh why does it take me two weeks to get this response back from tom when carl gets it in three days like that type of stuff happens and that all comes back i think circles around the likable factor like if you're a likable person and you remember things about them and you ask them about their life and treat them like a human it's going to work out for you they're going to be able to return that for you you're going to be able to deliver things the way that you say you are you learn more and they're going to want to help you and enable you to get more done. And all those learnings through all those experiences now, seven, eight years in, you're far less reliant, I would think. Definitely far less reliant, but things are always changing. Be sure. And but you always you, get a your, question. Your ability has got to be yeah, yeah. now with your agents and your brokers For sure. and users because of all those experiences. Yes. Yeah, it is. I would say it is. And I also have a lot of autonomy to make my own decisions, you know, authoritative decisions on things that we're going to do that. You know, in the past, I might have had to go to Fred, who's still my boss, who's our VP of enterprise sales. He trusts me to make, you know, decisions on behalf of the company or agrees agreements 
you know, things that we might agree to or not agree to that he allows me to decide on. Um, and, you know, that's all from the experience, the empirical experience I've gained, as you mentioned. Very good. So where are you going to go with this? Where does this go? Where's this? Tell us about the – how is the soccer going to continue? You know, I'm just in it for I, – I, I'm not really sure. I think I've developed a, an impressive network to this point. I know a lot of folks within the industry, and this job originally just kind of found me, and I knew that it was the right thing to do, and I think – it could be here for another 10 years, who knows in it, mm-hmm. but, but whatever I do next, I think it's literally something that I'll just know when it's there. I'm not really seeking it out unless something crazy happens to me, which I don't, I don't, I'm not particularly don't really think it would, but if it does, and I, I think I would a couple phone calls and I'd be able to find something, but I don't have like a specific ambition. I mean, I, it's just going to work out for me. I don't really know how to say it. It's like, if I find it, something's going to come to me and I'll just know, all right, yeah, I think I'm going to do that. I think that's, if there's something, something it's just like you like, you like yeah. being quarterback of the Buccaneers. Yeah. Right. You know, being the national channel guy. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Totally. I mean, I run the channel for the whole company already. So yeah. it's not like, could I have some more people working underneath us? Yeah. But we're, I get to do a lot and I don't have a lot of responsibility of managing people underneath and I kind of get trusted to handle stuff. And it's, we're very lean sales staff as it is. We have only like eight or nine enterprise reps right now, which is uncharacteristically low, but it's still, you know, we're a lean company. Yes. I don't, that's a tough, I think about it a lot, but I, you know, I'm also like most people at my age don't have this job. So it's, it's hard for me to compare at that point. Sure. My peers at at other companies are, you know, much older. So it's, I don't really know what to say. How to answer that one? No, no. I mean, yeah. you're doing your you're doing your thing, right? You're looking at the what? What does Belichick say? We're on to Cincinnati. On Cincinnati. On Cincinnati. Like you're on to you know, on to Cincinnati. You're focused yeah. on getting things done for your company and doing as good a job as possible. Again, that's the best way to lead you down the road. Yeah. Right. That's trying how we operate the business. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's been really good to me. The work life balance is great. The the company is fantastic. We have a great brand. They paid very well. I, I, I mean, I, when I initially started, it's kind of slowed down since COVID, but I got to travel all over the country. I'd only been on a plane a handful of times before I started. Now I've been everywhere in the U.S. It was so fun at, to begin with. So it's and it's still, you know, a lot of that's still there. But I just kind of know what I'm doing a little bit more so I can be effective. But it's it's been great. So it's amazing to see. You know how far memory blue has come in the same time though it's it was wild to walk in here today <laughs> to see this many people it's yeah it's a nice office huh it is a nice office yeah it's not as hot as the great location too yeah, yeah. even even closer to downtown it's yeah a nice spot right off the main road very cool yeah very good yeah thanks for coming yeah this job. sure thing yeah this was great mr stevens we yeah. really appreciate thank it thank you guys so much for having me yeah thank honor. you appreciate it memory blue alumni Are you looking for your next top performing SDR with the competitive drive, hustle mentality, and passion for sales that you can bank on? The Rising Stars program connects accomplished Memory Blue SDRs with alumni looking to expand their teams. Rising Stars have completed their SDR journey with us and are chomping at the bit to land a new and exciting high-tech sales opportunity. They've been professionally trained, coached, and mentored thriving in the very environment where you launched your career. Alumni like you hire Memory Blue Rising Stars because they can rest easy knowing they're hiring the best in the business. 
learn how you can access this unique pool of sales talent by heading to memoryblue.com alumni. Thanks for listening to Tech Sales is for Hustlers. Please subscribe and leave a five-star review after the beep. Thank you.